Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Bike Shed, a weekly podcast from your friends at ThoughtBot about developing great software. I'm Stephanie Man, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, friend of the pod and former ThoughtBotter, Edward Lovell. Hello, thanks for having me. Edward, would you share a little bit about yourself and what you're doing these days? Yes, I am a software developer at a company called Relevant Healthcare. We do a lot of things, but the maybe high-level summary is we take very complicated medical data and help federally funded health centers actually understand that data and help their population's health, which is really fun and really great. Awesome. So, Edward, what is new in your world? Um, Let's see. This weekend... I live in a dense city. I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and it's pretty dense there. And a lot of houses, very tightly packed. And delivery drivers struggle to find the numbers on the houses sometimes because A, they're old and B, there's many of them. And so we put up house numbers because I live in like a three-story kind of building, but there are two different addresses in the same three stories, which is very weird. And so delivery drivers are like, where is number 10 or 15 or whatever? And so there's two different numbers. And so we finally put up numbers after living here for like four years. So now hopefully delivery drivers in the holiday busy season will be able to find our house. That's great. Yeah, I have a kind of a similar problem where a lot of the times delivery folks will think that my house is the big building next door. And the worst is those that the building next door, they drop off their packages inside the little like entryway that is locked for people who don't live there. And so I will see my package in the window, you know, has my name on it, has like my address on it. And some strategies that I've used is leaving a note on the door (laughs) that is like, please re-deliver my package over there. And like, I'll draw an arrow to my direction of my house. Or sometimes I've been that person to just like buzz random. (laughs) (laughs) units and just hope that they like let me in and then i'll grab my package and and you know if i know the neighbors i'll like try to apologize next time i see them but sometimes i'll just like i just need to get my package you're you're writing documentation for those people working out in the in the streets yeah but i'm glad you got that sorted yeah what about you what's new in your world well uh, i wanted to talk a little bit about a thing that you and i have been doing lately that I have been enjoying a lot. Uh, Are you first of all, are you familiar with the group chat trend these days? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, it's basically this idea that like everyone is just connecting with their friends via a group chat now as opposed to social media. Okay. But as a person who is not a big group chat person, I can't like keep up with (laughs) like chatting with multiple people (laughs) at once. (laughs) I much prefer like one-on-one interaction. And like a month ago, I asked you if you would be willing to try having a shared note, like a shared iOS note that we have for items that we want to discuss with each other. But, you know, next time we either talk on the phone or I don't know, things that are like less urgent than a text message would communicate, but like stuff that we don't want to forget. Yeah, you're like putting a little message in my inbox and vice versa. And yeah, we get to just kind of whenever we want, respond to it or think about it or or use it as a topic for conversation later. Yeah. And I think it is kind of a playbook from like a one-on-one with a manager. I know that that's like a strategy that some folks use. 
but I think it works well in the context of our friendship because it's just gotten like richer over time. You know, maybe in the beginning we're like, oh, like, I don't know, here's some random things that I thought about. But now we're having like whole discussions <laughs> in the note, <laughs> like people respond to each other, like with sub bullets. <laughs> and then we end up not even needing to talk about it on the phone because we've already had a whole conversation about it in the note. Which is good because neither of us are particularly brief when talking on the phone and we only dedicate like half an hour every two weeks. Sort of helps clear the decks a little. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I recommend. Try a shared note for your next friendship hangout. Yeah, it's great. I I heartily recommend it. So um, one of the things that we end up talking about a lot is various things that we've been reading about tech on the web. Mm Mm-hmm. And we share with each other a lot of like blog posts or articles, various links. And recently, something of yours kind of resurfaced. You wrote a blog post about GitHub um, a little while ago about how, you know, as an industry, we should make sure that GitHub doesn't become our only option. Yeah, this was a, a post I wrote, I think, back in May or at least earlier this year and got a bunch of traction. Then it's a somewhat, I would say, controversial article or take. GitHub just had their developer conference and resurfaced again. And I don't have a habit of writing particularly controversial articles, I don't think. I'm, I've Most of my writing history has been technical posts, like tutorials. Like I wrote a whole tutorial on how to write SQL, or I did write one about how to communicate online, but it wasn't like so much responding to like a particular person's communication or a company's communication. And this is the first big post I've written that has been a lot more very heavily opinionated, very like targeted at a particular thing um, or entity, I guess you'd, you'd say. It's been received well, I think, mostly, and, and I'm proud of it. But it also it's a, it's a different little world for me, and it's a, a little scary, honestly. Yeah, I, I hear that. Having an opinion, <laughs> a very strong and maybe like a less popular opinion and publishing that for the world. Could you recap what the thesis of it is for our listeners? Yeah, and I think you did a great job of it, too. It's I see GitHub, a really any singular piece of technology that we have in, I'll, I'll say our stack with air quotes, but it's, you know, all the tools that we use and all the things that we use. It's a risk if you only have one of those things. Let's say GitHub, like if you, the only way you know how to contribute to a code repository with, you know, 17 people all committing to that repository, if the only way you know how to do that is a pull request and GitHub goes away and you don't have pull requests anymore, how are you going to contribute to code? It's not that you couldn't figure it out or there aren't multiple ways or even other pull request equivalents on other sites, but it is a risk to rely on one company to provide all of the things that you potentially need or many, even many of the things that you potentially need without any alternatives. So I wanted to try to lay out A, those risks and B, encourage people to try alternatives to say that GitHub is not necessarily bad, although they may not actually fit what you need for various reasons or someone else for various reasons, but you should have an alternative in your back pocket so that in case something changes or you get locked out or they go away or they decide to cancel that feature or any number of other scenarios, you have greatly diminished that risk. So that's the main thrust of the post. Yeah, I really appreciated it because... 
you know, I, I think a lot of us probably take GitHub for granted. <laughs> and, you know, every new thing that they kind of add to the platform is like, oh, like, cool, like, I can now do this. In the post, you kind of lay out all of the different features that GitHub has rolled out over the last, you know, couple of years. And when you see it all like that, you know, like, in addition to being like a code repository, you now have like GitHub Actions for CICD, you know, you can deploy static pages with it. It now has like an in-browser editor and then, you know, Copilot, which like the more things that they roll out, the more it's becoming like the one-stop shop, right? The like do all of your work here. And I appreciated kind of like seeing that and be like, oh, like, is this what I want? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you mentioned a bunch. There's also issues and discussions. You mentioned their in-browser editor, but so many people use VS Code, which while it is technically made by Microsoft, it's based on Electron, which was developed at GitHub. And GitHub even like took away their other Electron-based editor, Atom, and then now officially recommends VS Code. And everything from deploying all the way down to like thinking about and prioritizing features and, and editing the code and all of that pretty much could happen on GitHub. I think maybe the only thing they don't currently do is host non-static sites, maybe. And <laughs> that's a that's maybe about it. And I, who knows, maybe they're working on that as far as I know that they are. So yeah, absolutely. You also mentioned one thing that I really liked about the content in the post was that you talked about alternatives to GitHub, even like alternatives to all of the different features that we mentioned. Yeah. I guess I'm wondering, like, what were you hoping that a reader from your blog post, like what they would get out of reading, like what they would take away from kind of sharing your opinion? I wanted to try to meet people where I think they might be. Because I think a lot of people do use GitHub and they do take it for granted and they do sort of see it as this thing that they must use or they want to use even. And that's fine. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I want them to see those alternatives and have at least some idea that there is something else out there. The GitHub doesn't become just not only the default, but like the only thing I want to, I mean, to to just re-paraphrase the title of the post, I want to make sure GitHub does not become the only option, right? I want people to realize that there are other options out there and be encouraged to try them. And I found, for me at least, the better way to do that is not to only focus on like, hey, don't use GitHub. Like, I, I hope people did not come away with only that message or even that message at all, but that it is more, hey, maybe try something else out. And to encourage you to try something out, I'm going to A, share the risks with you and B, give you some actual things to try. So I talk about the things I'm using and some other platforms and and different paradigms to think about and, and use. So I hope they take those. We'll see what happens in the next you know months or years. And I'll probably never know if it was actually just from me or from many other conversations and thoughts and articles and all that kind of stuff. But that's what it takes. So yeah, I think the other fun thing about kind of the like meta conversation we're having about having an opinion and like sharing it with the world is that you don't even really say like, this is better than GitHub or like kind of make a statement about like, you shouldn't use even you, you don't even say you shouldn't use GitHub, right? The message is like, here's some options, try it out and like decide for yourself. Yeah, exactly. I want to empower people to do that. I don't think it would have been useful if I just go and say, hey, don't do this. It's, it's very frustrating to me to see posts 
that are only negatives. And I honestly, I've probably written those posts. Like I'm not above them necessarily, but I have found that trying to help people do what you want them to do, as silly and maybe obvious as that sounds, is a more effective way to get them to do what you want them to do. <laughs> as opposed to saying, what, to say, hey, stop doing the thing I don't want you to do or attack their identity or their their job or or some other aspect of their life. Human behavior does not respond well to that generally. At least in my experience, like having your identity tied up in a tool or a platform is, is unfortunately pretty common in like a tech space. Like, oh, like Ruby on Rails is the best piece of software or something like that. And it's like, well, you might like it and it might be the best thing for you. And personally, I really like Ruby on Rails. I think it does a great job at what it does. But as an example, I would not use Ruby on Rails to maybe build an iOS app. I could, I think that's possible, but I don't think that's maybe the best tool for that job. And so trying to, again, meet people where they are. I guess it kind of goes back to what you're saying. is like you want to help people do what they are trying to do. Yeah. Maybe there's a little paternalistic thinking too of like what's good for the industry even if it feels bad for you right now. I don't love that sort of paternalistic thinking, but if it's a real risk, it seems worth at least addressing or pointing out and letting people make that decision for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I am actually kind of curious about how do you like decide something for yourself? You know, like how do you form your own opinion about technology? I think, yeah, like a lot of people take GitHub for granted. They use it because that's just what's used. And that may or may not be a good reason for doing so, but that was a position I was in for a long time, right? You know, especially when you are newer to the industry, you're like, oh, well, this is what the company uses, or this is what like this the industry uses. But like, how do you start to figure out for yourself, like, do I actually like this? Does this help me meet my goals and needs? Is it doing what I want it to be doing? Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I imagine most people listening to this have tried lots of different pieces of software and found them great or terrible or somewhere in between. And I don't think there's necessarily one way to do this, but I think my way has been to try lots of things, unsurprisingly, (laughs) and evaluate them based on the thing that I'm trying to do. Sometimes I'll go into a new field or new area or new product or whatever, and you just sort of use what's there or what people have told you about or what you heard about last. And that's fine. That's a great place to start, right? And then you start seeing maybe where it falls down or where it is frustrating or doesn't quite meet those needs. And it takes a bit of stepping back. Again, I don't think I'm like going to blow anyone's mind here by this amazing secretive technique that I have for like discovering good software, but it's like sitting there and going through this iterative loop of try it, evaluate it, be honest with, is it meeting or not meeting some particular needs? And then try something else. Or or now you have a little more info to arm yourself to get to the next piece that is potentially good. As you go on in your career and you've tried many, many, many pieces of things, you start to see patterns, right? And you know, like, oh, it's not like, oh, this is how I make websites. It's like, ah, I understand that websites are made with a combination of HTML and CSS and JavaScript and sometimes use frameworks. And there's a database layer with an ORM. And you start to understand all the different parts. And now that you have those keywords and those pieces a little more under control or you have more experience with them, you can use all that experience to then seek out particular pieces. I'm looking for an ORM that's built with Rust because that's the thing I need to do it for. That's the platform I need to work with. And I need it to make sure that it supports MySQL and Postgres, right? Like it's a very targeted thing that you wouldn't know when you're starting out, but 
over years of experience, you understand the difference and the reasons why you might need something like that. And so then it's about kind of evaluating options and maybe making little test projects to play around with those things or side projects. That's why something like investment time or 20% time is so helpful and useful for that. If you're the kind of person who you know enjoys programming on your own in your own free time like you are, like I am, then that's also a great time to do it, although it's certainly not required. And so that's kind of how I go through and evaluate whatever tool it is I need. For something maybe more professional or higher stakes, there's a little more evaluation up front, right? You want to make sure you make the right choice before you spend thousands of hours using it and potentially regretting it and having to roll it back, causing even more thousands of hours of time. So there's obviously some scrutiny there. But again, that also takes experience and understanding the kind of need that you have. So yeah, it's kind of a trade-off of like your time and your energy and your experience and your interest. You have many different inputs from colleagues, from websites, from posts on the internet, from Twitter or, or Fediverse type kind of blogging and everything in between, right? So you take all that in and you try a bunch of stuff and you come out on the other side and then you do it again. Yeah. It sounds like you really like to just experiment. Um, and I think that's that's really great. And I actually have to say that I am not someone who likes to do that. Like it's not where I focus a lot of my time. And it's why I'm like glad I'm friends with you, first of all. But also, <laughs> I've realized I'm much more of like a gatherer uh, in terms of information and opinions. Like I like hearing about other people's experience to then like help inform an opinion that I might develop myself. And, you know, it's not to say that like, I'm like, oh, yeah, like so and so said this. And so therefore, yep, I completely believe what they have to say. But as someone who does not particularly want to spend a ton of my time trying out things, it is really helpful to know people who do like to do that, know people who I do trust, right? And then um, kind of like you had mentioned just like having all these different inputs. And one thing that has changed for me with more experience is previously a lot of like the basis of what I thought was the quote unquote right way to develop software was like asking like other people and, you know, their opinions becoming my own. And, you know, at some point though, that like has shifted, right? Where it's like, oh, like, I know, I remember learning this from so-and-so and like, actually, I think I disagree now. Or maybe there are just like, I will take one part of it and be like, yeah, I really like test-driven development in this particular way that I have figured out how I do it. But it is different still from like, who I learned it from. And even though like that was kind of what I thought previously as like, oh, yeah, like this is the way that I've adopted without room for adjustment. I think that has been a growth, I guess, that I can point to and be like, oh, yeah, like I once was in a position where maybe opinions weren't necessarily my own. But now I spend a lot more time thinking about like, oh, like, how do I feel about this? And I think there is like some amount of self-reflection required, right? A lot, honestly, like you try things and then you think about like, did I like that? <laughs> One without the other doesn't necessarily fully informed opinion make. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm really glad you you brought up that like, you've heard an opinion or an, an, a suggestion or an idea from somebody and you kind of adopt it as your own for a little bit. I like to think of it as trying on ideas like you try on clothing or something like, let me try on this jacket. Does this fit? Maybe you like it a little bit, or maybe you look ridiculous and it's not, it's not quite for you and you don't feel like it's for you to be, you have to try it. You have to like actually do it. And that is a completely valid way to like kickstarting some of those opinions, getting input from friends or colleagues or just the world around you. And like hearing those things and trying them is a hundred percent valid. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause if I mentioned it, I think I kind of skipped over it or went through it very quickly. So absolutely. 
And you talking about how you just take like one part of it, maybe that nuance that is, I think, really critical to that whole thought too. Everything works differently for different people. And every tool is good for other like different jobs. Like it'd be like saying a, a hammer is the best tool. And it's like, well, it's a good tool for the right thing. But like, I wouldn't use a hammer to like, I don't know, level the new house numbers I put on my house. Right. But I might use them to like hit the nail to get them in. So it, it's silly analogy, but like there is always nuance and different ways to apply these different tools and, and opinions. I liked that analogy. I think it would be really funny if there were someone out there who claimed that the hammer is the best tool ever invented. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there is, you know. I'm not going to use a drill to paint my house, though. That's a fair point, and you don't have to. Thank you. But I guess to extend this thought further, I completely and wholeheartedly agree that, like, yeah, everyone gets to decide for themselves what works for them. But also, we work in relation with others. And I'm very interested in the balance of having your own ideas and opinions about tooling, software, practices, like whatever, and then how to bring that back into like working on a team or like working with others. Yeah. Well, I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but it makes me think of you've gone off, you've discovered a whole bunch of stuff that you think works really well for you. And then you are, you go to work or you go to a community that is using a very different way of working or different tools or different technologies that can be a piece of friction sometimes of like, oh my gosh, I love Ruby on Rails. It's the best. And someone else is like, I really, really don't like Ruby on Rails for reasons X, Y, Z, and we don't use it here. And that can be really tough. And honestly, sometimes even disheartening, depending on how strongly you feel about that tool and how strongly they feel about their tools. And as a young developer, Many years ago, I definitely had a lot more of my identity wrapped up in the tools and technologies that I used. And that has been very useful to try to separate those two. I don't claim to be perfect at it or or done with that work yet, but the more I can step away and say, you know, like this is only a tool. It is not the tool. It is not the best tool. It is a tool that can be very effective at certain things. And I found, at least right now, the more useful thing is to get to the root of the problem you're trying to solve and make sure you agree with everybody on that premise. So yes, you may have come from a world where fast iteration and a really fluent language interface like Ruby has and a really fast iteration cycle like Rails has is like the most important need to be solved because other things have been solved. You understand what you're doing for your product, or maybe you, you need to iterate it quickly on that product. You've figured out an audience, you're getting payroll, you're meeting all that as a business. But then you go into a business that's potentially like, let's say, much less funded, or they they have their market fit, and now they're working on like extreme performance optimization, or they're working on getting like government compliance or something like that. And maybe... Rails is still great. This is maybe a, the analogy may fall apart here, but let's pretend it isn't for some reason. You have to agree that, hey, like, yes, we've solved problem X that Rails really helps you solve. And now we're moving on to problem Y and Rails may not help you solve that or whatever technology you're using may not help you solve that. And I found it to be much more useful to stop worrying about the means and the the tools that the the things in between and worry about the ends, worry about the goal, worry about the problems you're, you're actually trying to solve. 
And then you can feel really invested in trying to solve that problem together as a group, as a team, as a community. I found that to be very helpful. And I would also like to say it is extremely difficult to let some of that stuff go. It takes a lot of work. I see you nodding along. Like it's it's really, really hard. And like I said, I'm not totally done with it either. But that's, I think, something I'm really working on now and something I feel really strongly about. Yeah. You mentioned the friction of like working in an environment where there are different opinions, which is, you know, I don't know, just like reality, I guess. Human <laughs> but, nature. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I was thinking about recently was like, okay, like, so someone else maybe made a decision about using a type of technology or like made a decision about architecture before my time or like above me or whatever, right? Like I wasn't there and that is okay. And But also like, how do I maintain what I believe in and hold fast to like my opinions based on my value system at least without complaining? Because <laughs> uh, I've definitely seen that a little bit before, right? When it just becomes like venting, right? It's like, ugh, like, you know, I have seen people who are coming from maybe like microservices or, or more of a JavaScript world. And they're like, oh, like, what is going on with Rails? Like, this sucks. <laughs> and one thing I've been trying lately is just like communicating when I don't agree that something's a great idea, but also like acknowledging that like, yeah, but this is how it is for this team. And I'm also not in a position to change it. Or like, I don't feel so strongly about it that I'm like, hey, we should totally rethink using this like background job <laughs> platform. But I will be like, hey, like, I don't like this particular thing about it. And, you know, maybe here are some things that I did to mitigate whatever thing I'm not super into. Or like, if I had more time, this is what I would do. And just putting it out there. Sometimes I don't get like engagement on it. But it's it's a good practice for me to be like, this is how I can still have opinions about things, even if I'm not at least in this particular moment in a position to change anything. It sounds to me like you, you in at least at a, uh, the lowest level, like you want to be acknowledged and you want to like be heard. You want to be part of a process. And yes, it doesn't always go with Stephanie's initial thought or even final thought or Edward's final thought. But it is very helpful to know that you are heard and you are respected and it isn't someone just like completely disregarding any feeling that you have. As much as we like to say programming is this very like, I don't know, value neutral, zero emotion kind of job, like there's tons of emotion in this job. We want to do good things for the world. We want our technology to serve the people ultimately, at least I do. And I, I know you do, but we sometimes disagree on the way to do that. And so you just, you want to make sure you're heard. And if you can't get that at work, like, and you, I know you do this, but I would encourage anyone listening out there to like get a buddy that you can vent to or get somebody that you can express and they will hear you. That is so valuable just as a release in some ways to kind of get through what you need to get through sometimes because it is a job and you aren't always the person that's going to make the decisions. And honestly, like you do still have one decision left, which is you can go work somewhere else if it really is that bad. And like, it's useful to know that you are staying where you are because you appreciate the trade-offs that you have, a steady paycheck or the colleagues that you work with or whatever. And that's fine. That's an okay trade-off. And at some point you might want to make a different trade-off and that's also fine. We're getting real managery and real here, but I, but I think it's useful. Like it, you, Like I said, this can be a very emotional career and it's worth acknowledging that. Yeah, you just, you know, raised a bunch of like, very excellent points. Yeah, at the end of the day, like, you know, you, you can do your best to like, propose changes or like introduce new tooling and like see how other people feel about it. But like, yeah, if you fundamentally do not enjoy working with a critical tool that you know, the a lot of the foundation of 
the work that you're doing day to day is built off of, then um, maybe there is a place where like some another company that's using tools that you do feel excited or like passionate or like are better alignment with what you hope to be doing. Kind of just going back to that theme that we were talking about earlier, like everyone gets to decide for themselves, right? Like the tools to help them do what they they want to be doing. And you could even like reframe it for yourself where instead of it being about the tools, maybe it's about the problem. Like you start being more invested in like the problem that you're solving and okay, maybe you don't want to use microservices or whatever, but like maybe you can get behind that if you realign yourselves. The thing you're trying to solve is not the tool. The thing you're trying to solve is the problem. And that can be a useful like way to mitigate that or to like help yourself feel okay about the thing again, whatever that is. Yeah. Now, how do I have this conversation with uh, everyone <laughs> who claims <laughs> on the internet that X is the the solution to all the problems or the silver bullet or <laughs> or whatever? Yeah, that's tough because there are some very strong opinions on the internet as I'm sure you've observed. I don't know if I have the answer. <laughs> Once again, nuance and, and decisions. I have been currently approaching it from kind of a meta perspective of like, if someone says X is the best tool, you know, hammer is the best tool, right? I'm not going to go write the post that's like, no, hammer is in fact, not the best tool. Don't use hammers. I would maybe instead write a post that's like, consider what makes the best tool. I've effectively like raised up one level of abstraction from our, we're not, we're no longer talking about is X or Y or Z the best tool. We're talking about how do we even decide that? How do we even think about that? One post that I'm, I'm now just I'm promoting my blog post, so get ready. But one thing I wrote was this post called and not but. And I tried to make the case that instead of saying the word but in a sentence, so like, um, yeah, 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 we might want to use hammers, but we have to use drills or whatever. I'm trying to make the case that it's you can use and instead. So yeah, hammers are really good and drills are really good in these other scenarios and trying to get that nuance in there, like really, really putting that in there and getting people to like feel that better, I think has been really helpful for me certainly to get through. And part of the best thing about writing a blog post, just getting your own thought. I mean, that's another way to vent, right? It's getting your own thoughts out somewhere. <laughs> and sometimes people respond to them. You'd be surprised who just reaches out and been like, Hey, yeah, like I really appreciated that post. That was really great. You weren't trying to reach that person, but now you have another connection. So side benefit for writing blog posts, definitely do it. Or just even getting your thoughts out via a podcast, via a video, whatever. So I've, I've kind of addressed that. I also wrote a post when I worked at ThoughtBot called Empathy Online. And that came out of like frustration with seeing people being too divisive or in my opinion, unempathetic or inconsiderate. And instead of, again, trying to just say, stop it, don't do that, <laughs> trying to like help use what I have learned when communicating in a medium that is kind of inherently difficult to get across emotion and empathy. And so, again, it's in some ways unsatisfying because what you really want to do is go talk to that person that says hammer is best tool and say, no, stop it <laughs> and like slap them on the head or whatever uh, politely. But I think that probably will not get you very far. And so if you really want, if your goal really is to change the way people think about these things, I find it way more effective to like zoom out and talk about that on that sort of more meta level and that higher level. Yeah. 
I liked how you called it like a higher level of abstraction. And honestly, the other thing I was thinking about as you were talking about the like divisiveness that opinions can create. There's also some aspect of it as a reader, realizing that one person sharing their opinion does not take away your ability to have a differing opinion. <laughs> and sometimes it's tough when someone's like, tailwind sucks <laughs> and is is a backward step in, in you know, how we write CSS or, or whatever. Yes, like sometimes that can be kind of like inflammatory. But if you like kind of are translating it or like reading between the lines, they're just writing about their perspective from the things that they value. And it is okay for you to value different things. And for that reason, have a different perspective on the same thing. And I don't know, that has helped me sometimes avoid getting into that like headspace of wanting to argue with someone (laughs) on the internet or be like, this is why I am right. Now I have to write something and share it on the internet in response. <laughs> There's this idea of the the narcissism of minor differences. And I believe the idea is this, like, you know, you're more likely to argue with someone who like 90% agrees with you, but you're just like quibbling over that last 10%. I mean, one might call it bike shedding. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, but the thing that I have often found too is that like the GitHub post, I'll get people arguing with me like there's the kind of stuff I expected where it's like, oh, but GitHub is really good and XYZ and that's fine and we can have that conversation. But it's kind of surprising and I should have expected it that people will sometimes be like, hey, you didn't go far enough. You should tell people to like completely delete their GitHub or like, you know, go protest in the street. And like, maybe that's true. I'm not saying it is or isn't. But I think one thing I try to think about is in any post, in any try and convincing argument, like you're potentially moving someone one step forward, even if there's 10 steps to go, but they're never going to make those 10 steps if they don't make the first one. And so you can kind of help them get there. And someone else's post can absolutely take them from step five to six or six to seven or seven to eight, and you won't accomplish it all at once. And it's kind of a silly thing to try and do your efforts are probably lost. Unfortunately, it's a little bit of preaching to the choir because like, yeah, they, the people that are going to respond to like the extreme, the end are like the people that already get it. And the people that you're trying to convince and move along are not going to get that thing. I do want to say that I could see this being perceived as like a very privileged position, right? Of like, if there's some like genuine atrocity happening in the world, like it is appropriate to go to extremes many times and sometimes, and that's fine. And people are allowed to be there. I don't want to invalidate that. It's a really tricky balance. And I'm trying to say that if your goal is to vent, that's fine. And if your goal is to move people from step three to four, you have to meet people at step three. And all of that's valid and, and okay to try to help people move in that way. But it is very tricky. And I don't want to invalidate someone who is extremely frustrated because they're at step 10 and no one else is seeing the harm that not everybody else being at step 10 is. Like that's an incredibly reasonable place to be and an okay place to be. Yeah, yeah. The other thing you just sparked for me was, was also the like power of, yeah, being able to say like, yeah, I agree with this. or 60% or like 90% yet. And also there's this 10% that I'm like, oh, like I wish were different or I wish they'd gone further or I wish they didn't say that. Or, you know, I just straight up disagree with this one sentence, but the rest of the article, you know, I really related to and like teasing that apart has been very useful for me, right? Because then I'm no longer like being like, oh, was this post good or bad? Do I agree with it or don't agree with it? It's like, there's room for all of it. Yeah. That's that nuance that, you know, I liked this post and I did not agree with these two parts of it or whatever. 
so useful. Well, thanks, Edward, so much for coming on the show and bringing that nuance to this conversation. I feel really excited about kind of what we talked about, and hopefully it resonates with some of our listeners. Yeah, I hope so, too. I hope I can take them from step two to step three. (laughs) On that note, shall we wrap up? Let's wrap up. Show notes for this episode can be found at bikeshed.fm. This show has been produced and edited by Mandy Moore. If you enjoyed listening, one really easy way to support the show is to leave us a quick rating or even a review in iTunes. It really helps other folks find the show. If you have any feedback for this or any of our other episodes, you can reach us at underscore bike shed, or you can reach me at Joel Ken on Twitter. Or reach both of us at hosts at bikeshed.fm via email. Thanks so much for listening to The Bike Shed, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye. Did you know ThoughtBot has a referral program? If you introduce us to someone looking for a design or development partner, we will compensate you if they decide to work with us. More info on our website at tbot.io slash referral, or you can email us at referrals at thoughtbot.com with any questions.